0: You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress.
1: Welcome to Growth University. This is, for those who are not aware, this is a weekly forum at Calvary where we learn about the Word of God and grow both in knowledge and understanding so that we can apply it directly to our lives. Amen? I am personally grateful for this forum uh, because it gives me the opportunity to learn from very wise, humble, and caring apostolic leaders. I'm thankful to Pastor Tom and Pastor Kristen for giving me this opportunity. I was uh, strongly encouraged by my mom to accept to speak tonight, so I am here. (laughs) Praise God. Uh, It's important to be submissive to those in authority over you, (laughs) and that is what this is. (laughs) Um, Everyone should have someone they submit to. It's uh, both biblical and a wise decision. I can't tell you how many times uh, those I've been submitted under have saved me from making ridiculous decisions, so to God be the glory. They push me to do scary things, like I'm doing tonight. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for this church that invests in young people like myself, encourages us to follow after God, and our mantra of the will of God at any cost. For instance, Ali went to Fiji. We are grateful for a safe return. Jacob, Alex, and Pastor Alice in Palau. Trisha Ball in Japan. And students are even encouraged to study God's Word through Purpose Institute. And different Bible colleges, which I will be taking full advantage of in the next few weeks. Uh, We are blessed as a church to have such wonderful leaders. Amen. Pastor Kristen shared an excellent lesson last week on Lydia, the seller of purple. I know personally her question and statement at the end compelled me and encouraged me to speak up in my workplace. i had been struggling with to speak up. Um, for the past several weeks, and that message really appealed to me and pushed me. Uh, so God is doing great things at Miami, and God has equipped us, has equipped us to share the truth, just like Anthony said on Sunday, and we need to go. So to continue the theme of character studies in the Bible, I would like to focus on Timothy tonight. The title of this lesson is a study on faith. Uh, If you would please pray with me one more time. Dear God, thank you for giving us an opportunity to uh, learn and study in this forum. I ask right now that we would be pushed and pressed tonight, that you would speak to us, God. Lord, that the seed would be on good ground, that it would fall on good ground, God. Lord, I ask right now that you would help us to apply this to our lives, Lord, and that we would be well equipped to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. People say to clap, but this isn't really a clapping atmosphere. (laughs) (laughs) So each of us have a favorite Bible character, a Bible character that when we hear the stories of their lives and how God led them, we are seemingly entranced. We think of David and a sling and a stone. We think of Jonah and a whale. We think of Daniel and the lion's den. We imagine what the life of Paul was really like. We wonder what it's like to kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day, much like Benaiah did. (laughs) We learn each and every aspect of our favorite Bible character, and we can also articulate why we like them. There's also an unwritten rule in the apostolic faith that we are only to pick good characters. (laughs) For instance, if your child or someone in Sunday school... Was asked, What's your favorite, who's your favorite Bible character? And they said, Pontius Pilate. <laughs> the look you guys just gave me is the look I would give them. <laughs> Interestingly enough, though, I've studied a little bit about the life of Pontius Pilate and I find it very interesting. It's okay, the same look that you have, I understand. I also enjoy Leviticus. <laughs> so I told my pastor that one time, and he was he leaned up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We were in blue Ash, chili. <laughs> and he leaned across the table, and he's like, I wouldn't tell very many people that. <laughs> so <laughs> I love every time I think about that story. Um, but I take heart in the fact that it was also one of my dad's favorite books. So I just assume we run in the family, and like you can just claim that my family's weird, so therefore I can be weird. <laughs> I like to think I have a favorite character, uh, but I'm, I'm just not so sure. Uh, I like Joshua. The story of Joshua is very compelling and moving. Uh, The wisdom of Solomon is something to ponder for the rest of your life. And I find it very interesting. But personally for me, I find myself as having a character that I can most relate to based on my current life situation as my favorite. So that is how I settled on Timothy. Timothy, or Timotheus, is introduced in Acts chapter 16. A little precursor information, the chapter 4, Acts 15, records the Jerusalem council and the letters that were going to be sent to the Gentiles through Paul, Barnabas, Judas, and Silas. There was also an addition of John Mark, which caused a contention. Acts 15, 39-41 says, And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, if you look at the screen as I turn in my Bible to Acts sixteen, one through 5, this is the first time we have been introduced to Timothy, or as in reference here, Timotheus. Acts sixteen verse one, then he then came he uh, referring to Paul to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So even from this passage, we can learn a few things about Timothy. Timothy came from a mixed racial background, where his mother was a Jewess and his father was a Greek. This would actually make Timothy an ideal mentee for Paul, because Timothy had understanding of both the Jewish and the Greek cultures. He had a firm understanding of the scriptures and traditions, and he was also able to relate to the Greek people because of his heritage. He was well liked by those in Derby and Lystra and most likely was converted on Paul's first missionary journey to Derby. The Bible knows that Timothy was circumcised if you don't know what that is, I suggest you ask your mom or dad, because I'm not telling you here. <laughs> this circumcision was actually really important uh, because of Timothy's mother being Jewish, also related to the Jewish religious right, and if Timothy had not been circumcised, it actually may have halted his ability to speak to the Jews. So it was actually necessary. Paul recently came from the Jerusalem Council discussing whether the subject and keeping the law of Moses should apply to the Gentiles. It may have been necessary to ease relations with the Jews, but as we come to know, it was not a salvation issue. And I wanted to publicly apologize for Timothy. (laughs) Timothy's name appears 24 times in the New Testament. We can infer that Paul loved Timothy very much. Uh, and the feeling was mutual from Timothy because of 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 4. This indicates Paul writing to Timothy saying, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly in desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. So obviously we can infer that Paul loved him, because if you pray for someone every day, you obviously love them. Timothy was a great Christian and also a great leader, one who Paul invested in during his third missionary journey, where he spent about three years in Ephesus. Later, Timothy would oversee the churches in Ephesus and train and instruct those very same churches that Paul led through on his third missionary journey. Just for a frame of reference, when 1 Timothy was being written, these churches were likely five to eight years old. So as we can see, the life and ministry of Timothy was ordained by God to learn from Paul. Instruct Ephesus and be an example of submitting to God's plan for his life. I want to transition to picking a few things about Timothy's life and show how we can apply it directly to our own lives. As I mentioned before, I can relate to Timothy's life in several ways. He was taught from a very young age the scriptures by his mom as referenced in Acts 16, 1 Timothy 1, and 2 Timothy 1, and I can also relate. Timothy's father was mentioned only one time. So this would either suggest estrangement, little to no involvement of the father, or perhaps that Eunice, his mother was a single mom. And to that, I can also relate. Timothy pursued ministry, and that is something I am doing to the best of my ability, that I'm Trying to strive for the same fervor and zeal that Timothy Timothy had. Second Timothy one five says, "When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also." So I just want to build off this verse real quick and see how it applied to Timothy's life and how we can apply it to ours. First, we need to understand what unfeigned mean means. It's from the Greek word anapokritas, meaning undisguised or sincere. So Timothy's mother and grandmother had a sincere faith. We need to show that same sincere faith to those around us, to our children and our coworkers, our cities, and the entire world. Not something fake, not something that can be bought, but something genuine and real. So the question is, how did Timothy develop this unfeigned faith for himself? One, it was through the teachings of his family. And also, it was his own unique experience with God. The Last Generation of Truth by Daniel L. Butler, which highlights the importance of third and fourth generation apostolics, says this. True Christianity, as expressed by the apostolic Pentecostal doctrine and experience, is different from every religion in the world because it never, or should never, merely recreate a past experience. Every encounter, which can and I believe should occur daily, is a unique experience with God. We must have a daily experience with God. I don't care what your past generations have done. We must have a daily experience with God Not only for ourselves, but to ensure that future generations are able to have that same experience. Investing in your kids, or if you do not have kids, investing in future generations, as applied to this local church, is important. Amen? Pastor Ellis spoke a few weeks ago on the necessity of Christian education. And that is what Timothy was able to experience from a very young age. We need to instill in our children the foundation of the Word of God sharing lessons, and ultimately impacting them from a young age. Let me share with you how this has personally affected my life. If you could put up the picture, please. I'll let you take a look while I take a drink. So, for those of you who have never been to my house, this is our dining room table. The far back chair is the one I sit in to eat, the one on your right is my mom's, and the one on the left is my sister's, but no one sits in the, the front chair. Am I describing this correctly? Okay. <clears throat> so this is actually my favorite place in the house, this chair, even though I don't sit in it, <laughs> I don't eat from it. <laughs> And you definitely don't use it to change the batteries in the smoke detectors. (laughs) I'm sorry. My mom hates smoke detectors. (laughs) Okay. um, So this is my favorite chair because this is where my mom sits every morning for devotion. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Most of you will never see my mom in a hair towel, and that is by design. So I want to give you a quick glimpse into what my life is like almost every morning. We have a picture. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have a picture of her. (laughs) Oh, that would be epic, though. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I wake up. I wake up in the morning. Most of the time, I'm late. I'm still trying to instill self-discipline. It's taken about 24 years for me to wake up before 8 a.m. consistently. So I wake up and walk downstairs, and my mom is sitting at the table. Most of the time, I say, Mom! Exactly in that voice. So I don't startle her, because we don't want anyone screaming at 8.01 a.m. in the morning. And it's also loud enough to tell her that I love her. And just to give you a picture, in that chair... You see the beautiful Diana Reed in a hair towel. (laughs) You see a Bible. You see a journal. You see a Winnie the Pooh coffee mug. You see either oatmeal or a bagel, depending on the day. And she's always facing the window. Every single day. And I smile every single day because of this she has that unfeigned or sincere faith that she has shown me and my sister every day since I remember being at this house what are you doing as parents to show your children your sincere faith what are we doing what am I doing to show students nieces and nephews children in the neighborhood and friends that sincere faith that I claim to have The stability and consistency that she has shown in my life has forced habits in my own and provided a solid foundation for the Word of God to be active in my life. What each of us do will affect the next generation. Parents, I encourage you to think of what you do every day to show your children your unfeigned faith. The faith that Timothy developed was not by happenstance. It was developed by his mother and his grandmother. It was a conscious decision. They invested in him from an early age, and that foundation caused him to be mightily used of God. Also, this verse causes me to evaluate the previous generations of apostolics in my family. How many here have several generations of the apostolic faith? Okay, I'm going to speak directly to you for a second. All of those prayers, all of those sacrifices, and all of that faith is in you. I do not hold lightly that investment that's been made into my life. And I make sure to invest even more into the next generations. The faith of my family is the foundation of my life today. And I'm going to speak to those who are not first-generation apostolics. Do not be discouraged. When you repent, are baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you are brought into the family of God. If you're a first generation, you do not have the successes of your, of your past family to live up to or the failures of theirs to forget. The disciples were technically first generation apostolics. And look what they were able to accomplish through God. Do not disqualify yourself because of a lack of heritage, because we are all part of the body of Christ. This all depends on me, and it all depends on us. Interestingly enough, the Old Testament focuses on the corporate or um, nation of Israel as a whole. One's relationship with God was more communal than individual, except for a few key people, such as the high priest, Moses, Abraham, etc. But interestingly enough, God's Viewpoint and focal point moves from a corporate to an individual, to you in the New Testament. If you look at 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. If you want more references, Matthew 1 and Luke 21, 34 and 36 also attribute this to the individual perspective that God has in the New Testament. A relationship with you. The last generation of truth has this to say. You, as a parent, can determine that your progeny will learn of God and understand his ways. You can give your children opportunities to grow in God. First, by providing a positive, consistent, impacting, consecrated example that demonstrates the appropriate model after which they can pattern. Second, by instructing them day and night in God's word and in prayer, as it says in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Ensuring the next generation experiences truth is also based on you, the child. As a child raised in Pentecostal circles, you can obtain your personal first-generation hunger for the things of God. You can refuse the ordinary status quo, and you can secure for yourself A living, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Timothy's family not only fostered a unique experience with God, but he pursued that experience daily for himself. An organization or institution, even like the Calvary Church, is not changed by traditions or past experiences. Change will only occur when I get in my prayer closet live a sold-out life and an unselfish, a God-centered life, and the expectation of a first-generation lifestyle experience and not a third or a fourth. This is on me, and it's on you. We can also learn the importance that Timothy placed upon studying scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15, for those of you who may know it, uh, but if not, we'll have it on the screen. Paul is again addressing Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. As we can see here, 2 Timothy 2.15 was written by Paul to have faithfulness as a workman for Timothy. Timothy learned from a very young age the importance of scripture, and we must learn to divide the scripture correctly within our own lives. That is why Bible quizzing is such an important part of the fabric of this church. We encourage the children of this church to learn the word of God, and they will have a strong foundation for the rest of their lives. I can attest to that personally. That is why forums like these are so important. Because the ministry at this church is equipping us, it's equipping me for this very purpose. If we... Rightly divide the word of scripture, the word of truth, we will save ourselves from a lot of things. We will save ourselves from heartache and distress, from false doctrine which can tear apart churches. And also we will be under the covering of the word of God. We must take our commitment as disciples of Christ seriously. I must hold myself to a high standard of excellence to share God's truth as is truth to understand his word correctly and to love the truth. I must be like Timothy and study often, as a workman studies to refine their craft. And I must not be ashamed of God's word. And we have to prepare ourselves for that. How to study and rightly divide the word of truth if this is relatively new for you. Studying the word of God is extremely important. To ensure you have a firm understanding of his word and how it applies not only to your life, but also to eternity. Some helpful resources include our church leaders. They're very experienced individuals. Purpose Institute, uh, I can attest to that. Websites like Blue Letter Bible and commentaries on the word. Now, I would suggest verifying the commentary because other faiths have their own commentaries of the word. Uh, so we just want to make sure we're in alignment with what we believe. And also, <laughs> your greatest resource is the one who spoke the word into existence. Ask God for wisdom to understand his word. He put the focus on you in the New Testament. He died on the cross for you. So there's no need for us to waste the ultimate resource, especially from the one who made the book. (laughs) Verify what you learn and study it with your church leaders. We have to constantly pursue the Word of God and show ourselves approved unto God every single day. The last area we can apply directly to our lives from Timothy's is fighting the good fight of faith. Paul charges Timothy to fight the good fight of faith in first Timothy six, six through sixteen. This says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, or food and clothing, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, Meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. Whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Fight. We have to fight. I have to fight for my salvation. I have to lay hold onto the eternal life and never let it go. I have to fight against principalities and powers. And as a side note, men of this church, it is our job to protect the ones we love, not only in a physical sense, but in the spiritual. We all must protect our homes and lives. I'm fighting against materialism and temptation. I'm fighting for the salvation of the And safety of the kids at our church. Because I take an oath every time a new child is dedicated to support their life. I must fight a good fight. I fight because of the promise of eternity. And I fight because God never gives up on me. I will fight till it's over and I'm called to heaven. If I succeed... God will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if I fail, at least two people will be lost me and the person I love the most. We have to keep fighting. If everyone would please join me in prayer, and then we're going to transition to our app time. Dear God, let her pray now that you would help us to keep fighting, God. God, that we would not be weary and well doing but to have an understanding that we need to fight and to lay hold on eternal life. God, that we fight for the protection of our families and the ones that we love. That we fight not only for our salvation in eternity, God, but for others. God, that we would fight against materialism and temptation, God. God, that we would fight to keep your word at the center. God, that we would fight the good fight and that we would finish the course, God. God, that we would fight... Till we are done, God, that you will call us home and say good and faithful to it, and that we will never give up, God. God, you are awesome and you are amazing, God. God, I pray that I know that we would never stop fighting. Never stop fighting. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Uh, so, the app question for tonight What Bible character do you relate to the most? based on your current situation and why. To give you a second, please use this app time to share a little bit about what's going on in your life. I was telling a family member about this lesson tonight, and they said their life best related to Job (laughs) when his life was in shambles. (laughs) So please be encouraged that your life is not perfect and there is no expectation for it. So we have three to five minutes. Uh, please share with those around you, and then we're going to close. So if I'm willing to ask you the question, I must also be willing to answer it. So as you well know, the character I relate to most is Timothy, because I want to fight a good fight of faith. To be honest, I'm apprehensive of the road that's ahead of me, and I want to live a life like Timothy's that's completely sold out to God. Amen. So if everyone would please stand. God is good, isn't he? This study of faith covered the life of Timothy and the aspect, and the aspects of his faith that we should emulate in our lives. His mother and grandmother invested in him, and that sincere faith that was in them was also in him. He studied to show himself approved unto God, and we need to rightly divide the word of truth. Study God's word often, as in every day. We study and invest, and we also fight. I am personally on the path daily toward heaven, and I encourage all of you to fight the good fight of faith. I encourage you also to study out the person that you can relate to most and try to apply the learnings of their life to yours. See where they faltered and where they stumbled. See what led to their success or failure. Follow God's plan for their life and see if their decisions aligned with the result that you'd want. Learn from it. Improve on it. Apply it. Pray through it. And even share it with the next generation so they don't have to go through the same struggles you did. Thank you for coming to Growth University tonight. I'm excited for Sunday and what the Lord is doing in this church. Everyone have a good night and God bless.
0: This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio.